this parable in our gospel presents to us these very stark, uh, very different outcomes that have to do with the way in which we live our lives and understand God and, and why we're here. And you can choose. This is your actual choice for your actual lives here and now. Your choice is between great joy and, and wailing and grinding of teeth. Hopefully it's not a difficult choice to make. Yeah? I don't think anybody's like, you know what? I've always wanted to just really grind my teeth. I really grind them, grind them down. No, so there's something in the heart of Jesus for you here that he is, he's inviting you into something beautiful and to, and to something that results in great, great joy, into a sharing of God's goodness and his everything with you, experiencing his great generosity and even his just like great pride in you. We hear this phrase, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Something stirs our hearts when we hear that phrase. I think in the longing of, of everyone, especially in the fact that like, we're all sons and daughters deep down, is for a father to look upon us and say, hey, good job. Yeah, well done. Some of you have memories of, of specific moments when somebody in your life, a coach, maybe a parent, a teacher, somebody, said something similar like that to you and you've, you've cherished it. And that's just a little sacrament, a little icon of how deeply we want God the Father to look upon us at the end of things and be like, hey, you did good. I'm really proud of you. He wants that. He's not, he's not begrudging and giving that, like you have to try really hard and earn it, and then he's like, fine, you did fine. No, he, he, his desire is that you would succeed in what, what we're talking about here. So a little context of this parable, and also just where we're at in our liturgical year. So we are, we are coming to the very end of the year. Next Sunday, we celebrate the Feast of Christ, King of the Universe, which is always an anticipation of the coming of Jesus at the end of time. So Jesus, in this parable, and the church is, is helping you and I to keep in mind this fact that Jesus is coming. He's, he's returning. And there will be a judgment of sorts that will reveal the way in which we lived our lives. There's always questions about when Jesus is going to come and there's debate and people are looking for signs and stuff like that. No offense for some of you, one way or another, he's coming very soon. Right? At best, for everybody in this church, within the next 100 years, he's coming for all of us, right? Like either he's going to show up or we're all going to be dead. But you're going to meet him. Some of you, a few years less than 100, right? Yeah, I mean, like he is approaching so imagine if he was actually coming back next week, if it was like, yeah, he's coming back, Feast of Christ the King, you got one week. And what happens to our hearts there? Some of us are like, uh-huh, right? If your heart's like, uh-huh, then, then what, what's happening is Jesus is giving a kind invitation of like, hey, you don't have to live like this. You can live in a way in which you joyfully anticipate his return. Hopefully some of us imagining Jesus coming at the end of, at the end of this coming week would say like, oh, thank God. Thank God you're here. The early church, the cry of the early church was, come, come Lord Jesus. Fill everything with your presence, your life, your love. Please come, establish your kingdom definitively. Please come. So St. Paul is speaking in this context. He's like, the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night, which doesn't sound positive, does it? Like a thief in the night, unexpected. It's going to come upon you like labor pains upon a woman. He says, no, but you, he's talking to Christians, that's you. He says, no, but you, you're not in the darkness. For that day to overtake you like a thief. 
No, you're children of the light and of the day. Like you're children of the Father. You're his beloved. And you want to live in the light. And what does that mean? That means we're living in, with this awareness of God and we're living towards God. And, and the greatest giver of meaning to our lives is God. If the greatest meaning, giver of meaning to our lives is anything but God, then when he finally shows up, we're going to say, oh, shoot. You're probably not going to say, shoot. Some of you have potty mouths. Um, right? You're going to be pretty upset. If the greatest meaning to your life is uh, economic progress and prosperity, then when Jesus comes, you're going to be like, oh, no. Like, my plans went sideways, right? If it's fame, if it's just pleasure, whatever it is, if we put anything in the place of God, then his coming is a scary thing. But if we allow him, God, who's just good, he's just love, he, he's infinite goodness and love, if we allow him to take his rightful place, that's called fear of the Lord. We sang about fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord doesn't mean to be afraid of him. It means to have this joyful reverence as a son or daughter to his, his, their father that they really love. Like they want to do what, what he wants because they know he's really good. Fear of the Lord is this reverence, uh, this trust, this confidence in God and in his plan. So for those who fear the Lord, yeah, then that day will not come with violence. No, it'll be a day of great rejoicing. So what Jesus is encouraging us in the first reading, and we won't dig all the way into the first reading, even though there's a lot there, is that we would live our lives as stewards. That word, unfortunately, has been the tiniest bit tainted by the church because we tend to bring up that word stewards uh, when we want to talk to you about your what? Yeah, your money, right? That's not, that's not really what stewardship's about. It, it's involved in it because stewardship involves everything. But stewardship is this idea that everything is a gift from God and you are entrusted with it, with your abilities, your talents, your life, your family, uh, just you, your goodness. Every one of you has, has a particular immense goodness that God has entrusted you with. And your, your, your role is to let that shine out. And so stewardship isn't about um, being slaves or anything like that. It's this joyful sense of like, wow, he has given me everything. And with God, I want to do something beautiful with it. Every one of you is called to do something beautiful with your life. Mother Teresa would say, well, she said it at least once because I read it. On a, it was written in cursive. It was a quote. Anyway, uh, she said, you know, what? I can do something that you can't do. And you can do something that I can't do. And so together, let us do something beautiful for God. Isn't that nice? So everybody, everybody has something beautiful they can do. And that's the way in which we are, are stewards. Another way, maybe, and you see that in the first reading, is being resourceful. What does that mean? Resourceful doesn't mean you have a lot of resources. It means that you accept what you do have, and you use it to bear fruit. So this is what God desires for each of us. He has, he has bestowed upon you a circumstance, a time, and a place people, abilities, talents, and he, with you, he wants to do something beautiful. So, that's what's going on in, in our parable. The parable ends on kind of a sour note, and we let that color kind of the whole parable, right? But what does the parable say? The master's going on a journey. He calls his servants and entrusts his possessions to them. He trusts them, and he gives them these talents. We hear talents, we think coins, we think like, all right, here's 20 bucks, a talent is a substantial amount. A talent of gold would be worth about a thousand days' wages. Okay? 
So we're talking about three years of wages is one talent. The first person gets five, two and one. So this is a substantial amount that the master is entrusting to them. But it says, importantly, what? He entrusted it to them, to each according to his ability. Which means a couple of things. One, that he wants them to succeed. He's setting them up for success. Like his desire is not to test them. No, his desire is that, that they would do something and he believes in them. He has confidence in them. As he's entrusting it, he's like, hey, you can do it. Like, I believe in you. That's God's posture towards you. Hey, I, I believe in you. I trust you. Second, if he's giving it to each of them according to their abilities, that also means he knows them. God knows you. He understands you. He knows everything about you. And sometimes we're afraid of this God that like, doesn't really know me. He doesn't understand me. He has these really high expectations for me and I'm going to fail and he's going to be really disappointed. No, no, he knows you. Psalm 103 says, He knows of what we're made. He made us. And so he entrusts to each of us, according to our ability, something to bear fruit with. The first one goes and, and immediately, there's a sense of joy of like, he believes in me, has confidence in me, and he goes and, and makes five more talents. And, and when the master returns, he's like really excited. He wants to show him. Remember being a kid? Your mom and dad come back from a trip. Somebody comes back for a trip. And you want to like show them stuff? Not much has changed, you know? So you're just like, ah, what can I, uh, I don't know. You may draw a picture really fast. You're like, ah, I made this, you know? But there's this joy of like, I, I want to show you something. The second one, the second person does the same. And how does the master respond? Just with this great joy and generosity. With both of them, he says what? Hey, well done. Yeah, well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful, I'm gonna, in small matters, I'm going to give you great responsibilities. Come and share your master's joy. Uh, it's just, he's just kind and good. He, he didn't give them great responsibilities from the beginning. He wanted to show them that, like, hey, you can do it and to lead them into it. And then he says, come and share in my joy. He just like, re totally rejoices over them. So keep that in mind when we get to the third person. The third person gets one talent. What does he do with it? Just buries it. It's like, I don't want any part of this. The sad thing is, it's not about the talent. No, the master wants to do something beautiful with him and to give him this like joyful fruitfulness in his life. Like he wants to do something beautiful and to draw him into his joy. It's not about the money. He does, it's not, it doesn't matter. But the guy's just like, no, no, no. And when he returns, this third person says, Master, I knew you were demanding. You harvest where you don't plant. That's stealing, right? Gathering where you don't scatter. So out of fear, I just went and buried it in the ground. Is that true? Is that what the master's like? Well, no. I mean, you're, you heard him. Like, how does he interact with these other stewards? He's just like, he's just joyful. He's just kind. He's just generous. The third person just doesn't know him. Some of us don't know him. Like some of us don't know God. And we don't know how kind he is. That he's rooting for you. He's on your side. Like he wants something beautiful for you. Some of us don't know him. But the truth is, yeah, he just wants to do something beautiful. So this money is taken away from this person because they didn't want any part in it. It's like they chose this from the beginning. And they just miss out. 
They just totally miss out on this joyful endeavor with the master, with God. So what does that mean? Again, at the end of the day, God is calling us each into something. He wants to do something beautiful with you. And the one thing that's very different from this parable is he doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants to do it all with you. Even now, as we await the returning of Christ in glory, he's still, he's here. Like we don't see him fully present, but he's very much here. He's in you. He's with you. And again, he wants to do this with you. The little verse right before the gospel says, this is Jesus talking to you about this endeavor, about what he's entrusted to you. He says, hey, remain in me as I remain in you. Whoever remains in me bears much fruit. He says that is his father's joy is that we would bear much fruit. So Jesus is like, hey, stick with me, kid. Like, we're going to do this together. Remain, stay, be with me. You're not alone. And he's never asking you to do anything alone. Again, at the end of the day, our call is to be resourceful and to bear fruit. That's not primarily about money. Now, what is the fruit that endures, that lasts? It's love. It's compassion. It's relationship. It's fidelity. This is the fruit that we're all called to bear so that when Jesus comes, we can go out to meet him with great rejoicing of like, hey, Jesus, we did something beautiful together and we're only getting started. That's the posture, the disposition that we're invited to have. If you are afraid of Jesus coming back, tell him about it because something needs to change. Even if that something is just him showing you how much he he actually cares about you. It might mean you need to refocus your life that you're distracted, that you forgot about what's essential, what's important. Yeah, and thank God. So notice that, that fear or that, that anticipation, however it strikes your heart, the idea of him returning. Because again, if you're afraid, you don't have to be. No, you are children of the light and children of the day. Okay. I would like you to, if you notice it in you, very simply express your desire that God would be proud of you. That at the end of your life, he would just be very pleased. Because I, I think somewhere in us, we all have that desire. And to entrust him with that, just knowing like, yeah, he wants that too. And he wants to lead you there. So if you could just tell him like, God, I really want you to be proud of me. I want to be a joy to you. I want to be your delight. I want to be proud of, of what we've accomplished together. And, and I want you to be proud of me.